This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. God, I thank you. Now with humble heart, I ask you, speak to us. Come on, pray that with me. Speak to us, Jesus. You see all of our family members who are sick and those that are hospitalized, all those that are going through things today. Lord, I pray you'll speak to them as, as the community. God, I pray right now they'll see the signs for revival and revival will come to their families as well. Speak to us through your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to bring you a message today and I'm going to stick a little closer to my notes than maybe I normally would in this service I feel it's so important, but it's called, What is Your Name? What is your name? We're going to go back to the passage we were in last week, Mark chapter 5, and we're going to revisit that, and, and I'm going to show you what I feel like God revealed to me about that this week. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1 begins like this. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, speaking of Jesus, had come out of the boat, immediately, when? Immediately. immediately, there met him out of the tombs, met Jesus out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. We dealt last week with what makes your spirit dirty. Operating out of a wrong spirit. Some of you, no matter what anybody has done, you've had a wrong spirit about ideas, opportunities, and moments in your life. This man had a wrong spirit and he had, been, had made his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, notice this, and cutting himself with stones. We're in a series called Sticks and Stones. He was cutting himself with what? When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him and cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, for he said to him, not to the demons, he said to him, to the man, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, not the demon, he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion. Jesus asked the man a question, but his failures answered. For we are many. Now, as we're coming to the conclusion of this series, I felt this week that we needed to circle back around to this passage. Sometimes a message you will receive in hours, sometimes in days, sometimes in months, but sometimes God will drop something into your spirit in a matter of seconds. I believe it was about 22 seconds it felt like just boom, this, just, this whole message just like it downloaded into my heart. You see, in this series, we've been talking about the truth that according to Peter, uh, the book of Peter, we are all living stones, and we are subject to become stained 
as porous stones that, that, that everything can seep into the pores of, of the stone. And when a stone becomes stained down into its pores, the only way to get that out is to remove that outer layer of the stone. Now, last week, we focused on the fact that we all become stained, and those stains cause us to operate from an unclean spirit. Let me help you understand if you're operating from an unclean spirit. You're operating from an unclean spirit. If you can be, if you can be having a zippity doo kind of day and somebody mentions your neighbor's name and you go from zippity doo to how dare you. That's an unclean spirit. If somebody can, in a moment, bring up uh, some subject that changes the atmosphere around you, you're operating from a place of a stained spirit. An unclean moment in your life. That doesn't mean that you're not bound by that. It may have a hold on you because it's usually rooted in bitterness, and bitterness will choke the life out of you. That's why you can be enjoying your visit to Walmart if anybody can enjoy their visit to Walmart. But all of a sudden, you turn down that aisle, and there they are, and suddenly all the emotion of the moment rises up. That unclean spirit that you deal with. And last week, as we focused on that, we were taught that we have to guard ourselves against unclean spirits. And the way that we guard our spirits is by learning to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen for that? But today, as we revisit this text, I I want you to look a little further into the passage. Jesus says, what is your name? He says, Legion. And, And so the Bible says in verse number 10, Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, and I can only imagine the stench of that moment. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine. How many know the the demonic likes being around the stinky parts of life? So that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. What an interesting story. But the part I want you to focus on today is this question that Jesus asked. What is your name? What is your name? You see... This is an important question. As we focus at this scripture, there are many applications for this passage. The Jewish rabbis actually say that every scripture is multi-faced. And they believe that each scripture verse has 70 different faces. In other words, that it can be looked at for 70 different applications. But most often when we read this scripture, we go from seeing a man bound to a man freed, but we also stop somewhere and many people focus on the dominant face of this scripture being when Jesus has a conversation with a demonic spirit that is named Legion. But the problem with that is this, that even in the name given, there was not a name, but a description of the spirits that were in the man, those that were about to come out of the man. If you will follow the pronouns of the passage, you realize that Jesus never stopped speaking to the man. Jesus was not at a loss with whom he was speaking to. Jesus was the creator of the man and of the spirits that were about to come out of him. 
According to John chapter 2, uh, verse number 23, it says this through 25. It says, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. Now notice verse 25. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus already knew the power from which this man was operating. He already knew his pains. He already saw the stains on his spirit. He saw the wounds of his life. Can I tell you today that Jesus knows exactly what you've been through? Nothing was done in the dark that Jesus doesn't know about, and nothing has been done to your life that Jesus can't heal and deliver and set you free from. Amen. Why don't you give God a praise? But in order to find your freedom, you're going to have to be able to answer a question. What is your name? What is your name? Why does Jesus ask this question? Because if we don't know who we are, we will mirror the world around us. We will always mirror the world around us. Now, I think the best example of this are adolescents. They will mirror the world around them. James Dobson, the famous Christian psychologist, said this. He said, I fear that the greatest travesty unleashed upon the American education system has been the creation of the middle school. Why? He said, because you're taking students who are of age to lead the younger children in elementary school, and they are not yet ready to lead themselves because in a normal system, they would have moved up to an older grade that they would then follow, and they don't know who they are yet. And so you're taking a group of children who don't know who they are and throwing them all into a mix so they can figure out together who they are. So one kid decides that one day he's going to have one sock up over the top of his pants pulled up to his knee. And the next day, every student comes in with one sock pulled up to the knee. One day, they shave one side of their head. The next day, every parent is frustrated because their kid is begging to make sure before they go back to school, they have one side of their head shaved, which is nothing wrong with shaving your head. Trust me, I've learned to accept it. No crime in it, but what I'm trying to tell you is that because they don't know who they are yet, they are subject to mirror the world around them. And if you don't know who you are, you will follow everybody else trying to figure out how to satisfy the longing in your soul, and you'll end up in somebody else's bondage instead of your freedom because you're looking to figure out who you are. But the truth here I want you to see is that that the people had lost sight of the man. The community no longer saw him by his name. Mark never tells us the man's name. Out of all the stories, we hear so many names, but Mark never tells us the man's name. He, He records the event, but he only tells us about the man. The man himself has lost sight of who he is. And even we as spectators through Scripture have learned to describe him as a demoniac and something to do with a lot of pigs. We've lost sight of who the man was. I want you to get a truth today. Jesus never loses sight of who we are. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, Jesus still sees us. Think about it this way. 
When you have a relationship with someone, you will look past their situation or their condition and see them. Everybody else sees an addict, you see your nephew. Everybody else sees an alcoholic, you see Uncle Bill. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We see them in light of our relationship with them. For example, the dirty child is beautiful to the parent. The parent somehow can look at the mess of a dirty child and find beauty in the moment. Now, last night, I saw this lived out right in front of me. My, my little grandson, Jonah, wanted some, some cheese dip. And so it didn't take long till he decided that he was going to embrace the cheese dip fully. He had cheese dip from here, all in his eyelashes, and then his dad's been sporting his mustache, he even had his cheese dip mustache. Come on, amen. And as I looked at that, he's not only covered there, it's all over him, it's all over the table, it's all over the area, and I'm thinking, why don't we clean him up? But his mama's not thinking, why don't we clean him up? His mama said, smile, baby. Why? Because the mama sees the child because of the relationship that she has with the child. I thought about one time my dad had a pond where he was living and, and the pond was, was drained and, and after a pond had water sitting in it for decades and you all of a sudden drowned it, the water is saturated very deep. And we told Zach and Jordan at that time, we said, don't go get in that, that mud. And, and so we come around the corner of the house and as we came around the corner of the house, all you can see are their eyes. Did you get in the mud? It was obvious they'd been in the mud. It was dangerous they'd been in the mud. It was obvious dad was going to have to discipline them for misbehaving and getting in the mud, but I was trying to discipline them with rejoicing they were safe at the same time trying not to laugh because those children had mud anywhere possible. And as I looked at them in that dirty moment of their life, I saw them the way a father sees them. I rejoiced in the moment. Listen to me now. I rejoiced in the moment because they may be dirty, but at least they were saved. They may have gone somewhere they shouldn't have gone, but at least they came through. Can I tell you something today? Jesus never loses sight of who we are in spite of where we've been and how dirty we become. He rejoices. You have come home. Amen. But here's the problem. When there's no relationship, we assume a position of judgment. And that's all the people that had no relationship with this man could see was a place of judgment. They described, even Mark, the writer, described, he said, this is where the man lives. This is what he wore or wasn't wearing. And then I thought it was very interesting. And I learned something this week I'd never seen before. They told us about his scars from cutting himself. And I learned something most interesting. What did the Bible say he used to cut himself? Stones. He used stones to cut himself. Very important. I've never seen this in the Word before. He used stones to tear open his flesh. Why is that even important to us in the scope of this story, much less the relevance of who we are today? 
Let me then remind you, Moses goes up on top of a mountain, and when he goes up on top of the mountain, he receives the commandments. And there the commandments are written by the finger of God in what? Stone. The commandments are written in stone. And because the commandments are written in stone, we have to bring that image over into this moment to understand that each time this man took up a stone, it reminded him of another area that he didn't measure up to in the law. It reminded him that he had failed. It reminded him he'd walked away from his family. It reminded him that he left everything that mattered behind. And so every time that he took up a stone, he began to remember the pain. And because the pain was so great in his spirit, he would use that law against himself to say, I'll never measure up and I'll never be able to come through and I'll never have any hope because I failed and it's written in stone. Can I tell you something today? Your sins may be in great in stone, but grace is the way to answer that moment. I wish I had more voice today. I want to preach just a little bit more, but I want you to understand, though our failures may stain a thousand stones, the blood of Jesus stained one cross so that we might be free and free indeed, and we might rejoice in the grace of God. Can you imagine how many stones inside that cave were marked with the stain of the blood where he thought about all his failures and his struggles and his pains and all the wounds of his life as he beat his head against the fact that he could not change what he did yesterday? Am I making sense today? I better be making sense because I'm about to get excited up in here. That all the stones were stained with the blood of failure. But thanks be to God, though I might live in a house built with stones that are stained with failure, there's a cross that brings my hope and brings my deliverance and brings me peace. And I don't have to focus on yesterday. I get a tomorrow because of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you give God a praise, a mighty praise like he deserves. See, all the people could see was his scars, but Jesus never lost sight of the man. And most of us have looked at the scripture and we miss the beauty of the moment. The passage picks up as the man steps out and Jesus finds him in the stains of his yesterday's pains. And Jesus comes on the scene. I literally wrote this. Uh, listen to this. Jesus is walking onto the crime scene of your pain. I wish I had time to preach that. Because there's blood all around you. So the man hears a voice inside of him that screams, Run away. You're not worthy. You don't measure up. But there's a voice that he hasn't heard in a long time. And it's his own voice that says, Run toward the light. And so... What do you do? You run toward Jesus. Now, I saw one of the coolest things I've ever seen in, in, in this, this year, maybe this decade at this moment. The Holy Spirit spoke into my heart. It's so true. What does he do? The Bible says he ran and he fell in worship. He ran and he fell in what? Worship. And this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me. Not everyone who worships is free. But the free always worship. Now hold on a moment. What does that even mean? 
it tells me that in the moment when you see Jesus, you can get your eyes off of your failures and get them on Him, and you'll realize no matter what big a failure I am, He's still worthy. Oh, no, no, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me bring it way forward. I come through these doors, and the only thing that speaks to me is my failures. And we start singing Waymaker, and I'm like, oh, that'd be great, but, but, but I, I'm too big a failure for him to be a Waymaker. Am I making sense to anybody? I'm too big a failure for him to be a waymaker. I'm too, I got too many bondages. I've got too many struggles. I prayed too many times to be free and I, I keep going back. I keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. But, but you know what? I can't let my failures make me lose sight of how glorious and how wonderful and how awesome he is. But I also know this, that when he sets me free, this is the judgment. This is, this is the way I can tell where I am. If I can't lift my hands and declare that the Lord is good, in the congregation of the righteous, there's a stain inside of me somewhere that God's wanting to deal with. There's a stain inside of me somewhere that's holding back my praise. Listen to me, not everyone who worships is free. But when I finally lay down the stones of condemnation, my hands no longer are holding what weighs me down. So they lift up in praise. They lift up in glory. And they declare that the hands that were once stained with sin are now washed clean. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And let us lift up holy hands before the Lord God Almighty. Amen. You see, everyone who heard what the man said when he fell in worship was distracted. Imagine if you fell in worship and, and, and all of a sudden, imagine if you were standing in God's house today. Can I, can I just be blunt about this for a moment? And the person next to you starts going, well, I'm this and I'm that. I've got, I've got this much crack in my pockets, God. I, 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 I've been thinking about killing my neighbor, God. I really don't like the person sitting next to me, God. Imagine the moment a demon starts speaking through the man. They're backing up. Save one. And he looks at the man and he says something. See, we think he's talking to the demon. What's your name? Well, my name's Legion. <laughs> you know what? I ain't going nowhere. The devil knows he's leaving. The moment Jesus set foot on the territory, the devil was served an eviction notice. Can I tell you, the moment you came into these doors this morning, we're serving an eviction notice on the strongholds of your life. Watch this. Jesus does not speak to the demon. Read your pronoun. Read, read through it. Jesus says, what is your name? The demon of pain speaks through him. I get that because so many times all I can tell you about is my failures. I'm named by my failures. But instead, he's, no, 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 no. What's your name? What's your name? You see, the same power that called Lazarus from the grave was calling this man. We don't know his name. 
We don't know his name, so I guess we need to put in another name. He was saying, what is your name? What is your name? What is your name? What's your name? What's your name? I can't hear you. What's your name? What's your name, Don? I can apply my own name here. And though my pain may want to speak, there's a power greater than I that's calling me by name. Because what he's saying is, if, if you'll learn who he is, he will introduce you to who you really were created to be. I'm closing with this. Imagine the moment. He asked the man, what is your name? He starts calling the man out from the despair, the grave of defeat, the grave of all the scars and all the pain. And, and why don't you go ahead and stand with me? We're about to close. And listen to me what he says. I love this moment. He says, be gone. Be gone. And the man is released from all the demons. And where did the demons go? Into the pigs. You know what blows my mind? The man had been living with something that the pigs couldn't even live with. But what happens in the moment? I want you to watch this moment for just a moment. The writer, the crowd, the herdsmen all turn. Because the pigs start screaming. I mean, my grandfather had a pig farm. I know what screaming pigs sound like. And everybody turns. And here's a whole herd squealing and screaming and breaking down whatever barriers and they're running toward the sea and everybody's watching everybody's watching the demons and the pigs save one and one saved because they're over here watching what the enemy's doing but he's looking at the one who set him free the man is looking at Jesus. And you can spend all of your life looking at what the devil's done to you. Or you can lift up your eyes on the one who's never done anything but die for you and love you and care for you and he's coming for you and he's going to set you free and he's going to deliver you by his grace. The truth is he's just asking on one thing if you'll call on his name. See, the man fell in worship of his name and the man remembered his name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I fear that some of you have lost sight of the King of Glory. Some of you have lost sight because you're... Well, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit's working differently in this service. Right here, right now. Somebody's cutting themselves with all your failures. You literally are scarred because you can't breathe because of all your failures. If that's you, if you're ready to get free, I want to see your hand right where you are. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. The Holy Ghost is in this place. I've literally felt Him 
there literally was a shift in the atmosphere. Somebody, those with their hands up right now, you need to expect a shift in the atmosphere of your life. I felt it. A shift in the atmosphere of your life. Freedom's coming to your house today. Now quickly, put those hands down. I want to ask you another question. Stop looking at all the demons. Stop looking at all the pain. Stop looking at all the struggles and all the ones squealing in your life. All your failures are squealing. And look to Jesus. If you focus on Jesus, He's going to help you know who you are. And the only way you're going to know who you are is when you realize who He is. This is it. This is your moment. This is your time. Right where you are, there's some present, some listening, some watching. This is it. God's speaking to you. That's not just like you're looking right at me right now. If you feel that, that's only the Holy Spirit. You say today, I have not been serving Jesus Christ. I have neither, I've either not given my life to Jesus or I've walked away from His grace and I need to recommit my life to Christ. And today's the day I want to do it. If that's you, right where you are right now, even if I can't see you, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. I want you to hold it up high and say, today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Is there another? This is it. Thank you. Is there another? Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Thank you. Is there another? Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold them up. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. You're about to leave all of that noise behind. Thank you, young man. I see that hand. You're about to leave it. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. You're about to leave it all behind. I just feel Jesus. I feel Him in this place. People are weeping all over this place. Going, I just want my family back. I just want my hope back. What you need is to stop listening to all of that. And you need to get your life right with Jesus first. The rest of it works out. But Jesus first. Looking around the room, is there, are there any others? Today's the day you want to either give your life or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. I'm looking around. Pastor Don, you picked me out. No, sir, I have not. No, ma'am, I have not. If you feel picked out, that's only the Holy Spirit speaking to you. This is it. This is the time. This is the moment. There's been so many that have responded. I was just waiting a moment more. Oh. Look, you don't have to cross the aisles, but if you're with family or a friend near you and you're comfortable taking their hand, I want you to reach over and take their hand right there. The Bible says that if we will confess Jesus Christ with our mouth that He is Lord and believe in our hearts that, that God has raised Him from the dead, that we also will be born again into a new life through Jesus Christ. This is it. So, so Pastor Don, you pray the same prayer. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pray this prayer until I can pray it no more. It is my heart to lead people through this prayer. This is your moment. This is your time. Somebody's family right now, lay down the stones. Lay down the stones. Yes, there's been failures, but God's going to heal your family right now in the name of Jesus. So you're not only cutting yourself with a stone, you're throwing them at each other. Lay them down. Lay them down. 
All right, we're going to pray with these probably eight or nine that have said today they want to give their life to Jesus Christ. And I want you to lift your voices in a mighty unison as we pray this prayer. It seems like a simple prayer, but it's a divine act of faith. Let's pray this together. Jesus, Jesus. by faith, I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior. In Jesus' name, from this moment forward, I believe and I receive Jesus as my Savior, my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. Do with it as you want. By the blood of Jesus, I am washed clean. In Jesus' name, I believe Jesus came for me. He died for me. And now he lives forevermore. And now I declare, God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Father, I thank you. We rejoice in your presence today, Jesus. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.